Welcome into another edition of the Beer Garden presented by Oxford Crystal. I am your host, Neil McGrady. Today on the show, my very good friend, you know him very well, Jeffrey Wright, 92.9 FM ESPN. He is, I guess, what are you? You're many things. You're the producer of the Jeff Calkins Show. Executive producer, please have some respect. Executive producer Thank of the you. Jeff Calkins Show. And then the co host, I guess the lead host, are you co host or y'all just kind of share it? Co host title, yeah co-host of the uh, Giannato and Jeffrey show there on 92.9. That's from 2 to 4 each day. So he's on the airwaves. Basically, the famed second billing. You know, everyone, every kid grows up being wanting to be number two. Yeah. You, at the time, I thought they should have led with the Jeffrey. You've mm-hmm. been there. Uh, that was a negotiated thing by uh, Gannett. It really, honestly, though, you know me. I don't. I truly don't care. That was a Gannett thing, though. That yeah, that was right. not Mark. That was not. Uh, that was not the station. That was that was a Gannett thing. And this isn't directed at Mark, but Gannett's going out of business, so it doesn't really matter. You you'll have time to flip it around if you choose. Yes, and <laughs> yes, that that Mark will be fine with that. I'm sure. I'm kidding a, a, lot, a little. I'm sure. All right, before we get started, and, and I'm gonna talk. We're gonna talk about the Oxford Crystal in a second. Mm-hmm. Let's do that now because we'll forget otherwise. It's it's all you can eat at the uh, at the Oxford Crystal. If you dine in, all you can eat crystals and fries five ninety nine every day. That sounds dangerous, actually. Uh, the scrambler breakfast bowls are still there. Bacon, sausage, cheese, eggs, grits, a lot of stuff in there. One dollar every day slushies. The Sprite slushies, uh, those are there every day at the Oxford Crystal. Uh, what's your crystal go to these days? Still the same? Yeah, I mean why. You know, when you, it'd be like saying, you know, to to Michelangelo, you know, you know, how are you going to fix the David? You know, well, you can't. It's perfect. I mean, you go, you get your two cheese crystals, no onions. I'm not insane. You get your crystal chick. If you want to throw in the spicy chick, by all means, go ahead. Uh, then you either get, uh, either go one regular chick, one spicy chick, a chili cheese pup. Or if you're feeling, you know, maybe maybe you're just really feeling chili cheese pups today. Two chili cheese pups, two cheese crystals, one chick. Get you, a, um, depending on, how, you know, if it's a fat day or not, you get, you, get you a large fry and a large Dr. Pepper, and you're good to go. Moving on. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. 662-257-1900. Call that number. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford you're looking for. And uh, he'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle. There's no haggle. You get your quote and uh, you can let it be a baseline for you moving forward. Or you can do what I've done or what so many others have done. And that's get into a Clark Ford today. You'll love the product. You'll absolutely love the service. I've never been happier than I was last week to have a Ford F-150. It was a game changer and dorm move in. I can tell you that. And, uh, Great service. Corey sent me a, a text today just updating me on mileage on uh, Campbell's Explorer, for example. You just don't get that sort of treatment from any and every car dealer. You do get it from Corey. 662-257-1900. Well, I was chuckling because I know this is shocking news. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the former White House spokesperson, press secretary, is uh, joining Fox News. As what? Analyst. I know. Who, who would have Seen that coming? Well, it's either that or Breitbart. September 6th, she will make her first appearance on Fox and Friends. I know we all have our, we all have our DVR set already. <laughs> that's uh, is that the day before? That's the day after the NFL season starts. I believe that is correct. That's right. September five. It's getting here. I'm excited about NFL. Before we get to NFL, I'm gonna get some. Here's Hold what we're gonna. Have you ever, have you ever wanted to know what Sarah Huckabee Sanders thinks about the world? I'm not, I'm not criticizing her job performance or whatnot. Because at the end of the day, you are a press secretary for a reality television star. Like that's not no, an I would easy love job. To know if, if, if she would be truth serum, totally off the record, just me and her. I would absolutely be fascinated to sit and talk to her. Right, but that's not what she's going to be on television. No, no, she's you're going to be advancing her own career, advancing her own career, propping up, staying in the staying relevant. Yeah, same role, just on TV, less hours, and probably better pay. Yeah, I would think that 
when you do what she's doing, what like Hogan Gidley is doing right now, you're doing it with an, the understanding that the future is going to pay for itself. Yeah, it is. It is weird how it's. We don't think of it like this anymore, but it's almost like it's public service. Well, when she writes a book, they'll they'll tease it as a tell-all, and if they do enough marketing of it, and if they tell enough, she'll sell a lot of copies. Oh, I think so. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'd be interested. I'm intrigued. If you told me I could, like I said, if you told me I could sit and have a cup of coffee with Sarah Sanders and she'd open up and even give me a a, 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 a crack, sanitized version. Yeah, into the what really went on. Yeah, in. I can think of a lot more boring conversations than that one would be. Oh, agreed. The inner workings, the inner workings of the presidency are fascinating. Think about how many television shows, how many movies, all of it. Like it's a fascinating concept. It's a great point. I mean, I, I watch Designated Survivor sometimes when. So every once in a while, I do this weight workout. Where at the end of the workout, I need to do cardio, but I can't do a lot of cardio, and so I'll just do like elliptical a little bit, just yeah. to kind of move the lactic acid around before I leave. And I'll t- I stream uh, <laughs> Designated Survivor, <laughs> and it's such a bad show. And if if Kiefer Sutherland's character was anything but president of the United States, mm-hmm. I would never watch it. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. But because Otis, I'm in. It's, yes, I think that's that's 100% it. I mean, like, Jack Bauer, Jack Bauer, it is fitting that Jack Bauer manages to be, what, what there are 12 members that, or 11 die, and he's the one that's, he's the one that, that somehow lives. Like, there is the idea of Jack Bauer becoming president that's, that's somewhat fascinating. But the only reason why that show lasted as long as it did is the fact that it's the presidency. And so it was, it's still intriguing enough. It's formulaic enough and it's probably the perfect thing. It's the perfect thing that for what you're mentioning, like you need something that you don't, you need something mindless because you're, but you're trying to have something take your mind off the physical toll that, that you're putting on yourself. And like, that's perfect. Yeah. It's, it's something I do after a pretty intense workout and, and, Elliptical is not intense. It's kind of boring. And if you just sit there and do it with nothing to pass the time, you lose your mind. But I'll watch 30 minutes of an episode and I'll look up and I'm like, okay, I'm done. And then I'm finished. I hit the pause button. It's 42 minutes, Neil. Come on. Yeah, but I rarely watch the full 42 minutes. Yeah, I'll get about 25 minutes in and I'm like, that's enough. That is the definition of solid writing. I don't even need to see (laughs) act three. I'm good. All right, so I'm going to get to some football stuff in a minute, but first I've got to ask a Memphis media question because I'm intrigued. I know that the the Memphis Tiger basketball team went to the Bahamas to play a collection of no ones. Some of their play, like Precious Achua, I don't even think made the trip. He did not. He had So Precious is still technically in the country on a student visa, and – there were concerns about him leaving the country and trying to get back into the country. They thought he'd be fine getting to the Bahamas, but there were concerns about whether or not he would be upon reentry. There were concerns. They took the precautions and that's why he did not go. I actually, I buy that completely. Okay. My point is he didn't go and he's one of the calling cards of what you would be watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wiseman, didn't play in at least one of the games. He didn't play at all. I mean, it, it's a classic example of that shows you how meaningful it was. Like, they took him on the trip, obviously. He did workouts and whatnot, but you're not having James Wiseman. The last thing you want is James Wiseman doing something to his shoulder in in that setting. But the media treated, and, and, and hey, they got the eyeballs and the ears. This is not criticizing the media. I'm just floored by it. It was... News story A1 at a time when the college basketball season is still, it's still three full months away. Yeah, I, the, the biggest thing, the best comparison I can make from my career is, remember when we started covering fall camp in 2014 and your words to me were, 
when I went out there with the camera, your words to me were, you cannot film enough of Robert Kim Dietschy. You cannot film enough of Laquan Treadwell. You cannot film enough of Tony Connor. And you cannot film enough of Laramie Tunsil. Yeah. And remember the the remember the metrics on all the stuff. Like, by the way, none of it was good. Like it was it was them going through individual drills and whatnot. And but I mean, remember the metrics? Oh yeah. No, I mean you could show a video of anyone else and it'd be like, eh. And you'd show a video of one of those cats. Speaks. And it's similar it's similar in this fashion to that time with Ole Miss in that the fan base the fan base has longed they didn't quite have the sense like Ole Miss wasn't relevant under Cut and Houston Nut to the level that Memphis basketball was relevant under Cal. I'm not saying that. But if you take out probably the the team that lost the national title game, it, it, it's pretty similar. I mean, it, that 2008 team that Nutt had that finished the season so well, like, I mean, you know, they had all the hype going into the next year. Like, they tasted, they were close, and they tasted it, and then, you know, cut goes 10-3, and 7-1 and one in the league. Like, they got a taste of it. It was a little different on that one because... With Eli, when Eli was gone, you, you just kind of in the back of your mind, you didn't know if it was sustainable. But then their program was wrecked and gone down to new depths. And all of a sudden, with one recruiting class, they're back relevant again. And the hunger and the excitement and the anticipation is through the roof. And... You know, I mean, you've you've you you've done this business, and I am in the. Listen, it would be all well and good for me to sit there and say I'm going to do the radio show and I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about each and every day. I'd be out of a gig pretty quickly. Oh no, you're doing absolutely the right thing. It is fascinating to me. Oh, I, I'm not even defending myself. I am. I, I'm. I'm trying to offer some explanation to the audience. I mean, to me. To me, it's at the end of the day, we are a radio station. You play the hits, and it was a freaking hit. And, you know, it's tough. It's tough to say. Like, it's not like television. Like, one of my good friends that used to produce the afternoon program here, he's now, he does television at Fox 13 in, in Memphis. The next day, when he gets done, so they do a morning broadcast. The next day, Nielsen gives him a report for, you know, fairly accurately of how every single segment did for about every 15 minutes. So every quarter hour, he gets a report. I don't find out how a particular segment did until roughly six to eight weeks after. And it's not as easy of a, you know, you, then you got to go back, you got to look at, Okay, what segment do we do here? Like it's it's more of a research project. So there's not real time data other than how a live stream's doing. And I'm convinced that the live stream the live stream is not always indicative of I haven't noticed a direct relationship between high live stream and high ratings. I do think the live stream shows when people are losing interest. Like if if you see a massive spike in the stream going down, I think that that shows uh, that 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 is relative and that is useful information. But I'm not convinced that when it goes up, that it is the same type of useful information, primarily because when people are tuning in, and you see a massive spike. It's usually a niche audience that's craving a certain thing. It's kind of like recruiting coverage. And so. Uh, it's difficult to say in the moment, but it was also the perfect time. I mean, I don't know why this still surprises me, Neil, but you know how like when we were in June and July, we all just think, okay, just get to August. Get to August. Football starts. It'll be easier. And then every August, 
it happens again and again. I'm like, oh my God, we still have like, especially if you're in a college football market, because it's one thing to, oh, we're we're in it. We're in the middle of this right now. Even though the season is nine days away, it's just, I've run out, like I've run out of stuff to talk about. I think college football is more dependent on games to talk about than the NFL is. And primarily it helps as, as you've pointed out, Hey, the NFL, there's full coverage. Like, if I want to know what Daniel Jones went in pass scale from a completion percentage standpoint, it's out there. Like I can find it. I can find all the information. I get four preseason games. Uh, there's there's all the access you want in the world. Baker Mayfield talks about uh, Daniel Jones, Perfect. and if you're on the Giants beat, you go, "Hey, awesome!" Thank now you. I'm going to talk to Daniel Jones about what Baker Mayfield said. Thank you. And then I might talk to the writer, and then you know, uh, yes, exactly. And so you can. You can discuss the NFL more, but in college football, because of the way that it's covered, uh, because of the way the schools limit access, you need games. And so if you're in a college football market, it is very, very difficult. But, you know, this is what I think this is what I think is so interesting about the Memphis football season. They got a chance to be pretty good. But their first game is against an SEC opponent, and I get it. It is not an upper echelon SEC team, and I get it. The core of this roster was recruited during heavy sanctions and was recruited during a very difficult point to recruit at. But if they lose that game, I it, for Memphis, like after week one, I mean, I think everyone – I think – Memphis has a, a core of probably 20,000, give or take, true like Memphis Tiger football fans. That core will stay there. But the rest, they'll already have turned their attention to basketball by Labor Day Monday. It, it, everyone talks about what a big game it is for Ole Miss, and I guess it is. It's, it's a big game. It's a big game from a, from a perception standpoint and a – fan momentum standpoint, I continue to maintain with the young team. And God, Ole Miss is young. I think Ole Miss is a younger team than its fans acknowledge it to be. There's, I, I, I'll run into people all the time that they'll say, how do they look? And I'm always like, well, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. And what do you think of Corral? And it's like, eh, you know, we'll see. He's going to be really good. I'm like, oh, okay, what are you basing that on? I'm not disagreeing, but what are you basing that on? Any more than if someone says to me, man, Corral's going to suck. Right. What are you basing that on? You hadn't, you hadn't seen him. He's played. He played a mop-up role against uh, Louisiana Monroe. Mop-up role in another non-league game. I don't remember who it was. doesn't matter. He played... A few snaps against South Carolina. I think he played against Martin, if I remember correctly. That's probably right. It was a, 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 a non-league ULM, a few snaps against uh, SC, South Carolina, and then... I'm sorry, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't Martin. Uh, he, didn't play in the, he didn't play in the, the uh, whatever the, the FBS game because, remember, they scored like 40 points in the first half. So it was, it was either... It, might, it doesn't matter. He played in that game, ULM, a few snaps against South Carolina, and then a pretty significant amount after the game was already out of hand against Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. And then he played in the Egg Bowl, which I'm not going to hold for or against him because I know for a fact that they showed absolutely nothing. The Grove Bowl. Yeah, Grove Bowl. Come on, get your... Get your I need on. to get my, my bowl straight. That's all he's done. So how do you know? I don't know how he's going to handle a, a crowd at, at the Liberty Bowl. I, don't, I have no idea. I have no idea how he's going to handle being at home, starting a game from start to finish against Arkansas a week later. I, I don't know. Maybe he'll be really good. Maybe he'll struggle. Maybe he'll be in the middle. He's going to be a redshirt freshman starting his first college game. It's, everyone does that with with him. They forget that how people talk about, well, they lost Greg Little and they lost Javon Patterson. Yeah, and they lost Sean Rawlings, too. A lot of freaking snaps. A lot of snaps. You talk about 
three guys who were Iron Men. They played every week. Every snap of every week. I mean, that's a lot to replace. And you're replacing it with a bunch of guys. I mean, look, if Givens plays, he's played a lot. Matthews has played a good bit. Newman's played some. Johnson's played very little. Tuitt's played very little. You've got at least two freshmen that will be playing their first college game. It's a lot. And you've, you've got, got good receivers, but you don't have top 60. Well, let's talk about the receivers for a minute. This is what I do with people, and, and they, they and I think when I do it, they go, oh, wow, they really are young. Their receiver core is Elijah Moore, who played a lot last season. Uh, and is very good. I think he's a proven receiver. I think he's going to be a star in the league. Braylon Sanders, who's played some for two years, has, has had his moments for sure. He's going to be moved up into a bigger role. Uh, I think Miles Battle played a little last year maybe. Not much. And then a bunch of dudes that are playing their first college game. Four freshmen uh, and a Juco. And a converted running back who the media is madly in love with in Tyler Knight. And maybe he will be uh, the player that, that he's hyped up to be, but he hasn't been to date. And then in the running backs, as good as I think their running backs are going to be, two of the running backs, Snoop Connor and Jerry Ely, are playing their first college game. Yeah. That is a lot of youth. And Cooley is a tight end who has uh, he's played some. Pellerin's a tight end who has played some. That's about it. So there's a little experience there. You can question Jonathan, how ta- Jonathan Hess hadn't played. Well, Hess was a linebacker. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's it's a really young team, a very inexperienced young team. So people say, what, what are they, they going to be well, offensively? How, how can you possibly know? And I think I, Rodriguez is a terrific coach. And I think Bicknell is a terrific coach. I think Peeler is a terrific coach. There's a lot of a lot of solid coaching on that side of the ball. But it's still a player's game. I, so I don't know. So, so people, I'm being very long-winded in saying that people say the, the, it's such a big game for Ole Miss. Win or lose, Ole Miss, whether the fans believe this or not, they're going to get back in the film room on Sunday, get back on the practice field, and they're going to start getting ready for Arkansas. There won't be any time to gnash teeth or celebrate. It'll be right back to work for a critical SEC game. See, for me, I can go both ways because in terms of in terms of the 2019 football season, I think you're right. I think it's probably a bigger game for Memphis because it's Memphis's only Power 5 opponent. And when you look at it, Boise plays Florida State this week. Fresno gets a chance against USC. Like, and then, you know, for, for Memphis, it all depends on winning the Americans. So I'm not even going to really compare them to the other the other American teams because I think whoever wins the Americans is going to be the, the team that's going to get the chance for the New Year's Six. But I do think you can – I do think you can make a case that it is a bigger game for Matt Luke's – for the future of Matt Luke's program than it is for the future of Mike Norvell's program. Because – while I agree with you, Ole Miss has to turn right back around and play Arkansas. If they lose this game and then they turn around the next week and youth rears its head, rears its head again at home against Arkansas and they're 0-2, ooh, boy, I know, I, I know what you're saying. I know you think that, that barring scandal, Matt Luke keeps his job. But we haven't seen 20,000 people in the stands yet in November. No, that's true. I, and I could be wrong. I just, I think even, and as I've told people this, even in the event of a catastrophically bad season, which for the record, I don't think is going to happen. But if it did, there are still significant financial hurdles that would have to be overcome before you could think about making uh, major moves. I mean, I, I don't... 
I don't want it to seem like that I agree I or disagree. I, I do. I've just always yeah, said. If you disagree with me, man, you're off this show. I'm telling right. you. It's not even necessarily that. It's the fact that more times than not, most decisions in football coaching are emotional decisions. And I know part part of what might help is the uncertainty in the in the school's hierarchy and whatnot. Like that that could play to his to their advantage. Um but Man, I just seen you know what I mean. Like I've seen things go south. Uh, I just I don't know. You know what I mean. Like to sit there and try to predict. We haven't seen what November holds. Like in, I know what you're saying from a financial perspective, but it's the same thing with like Tubby Smith. Everyone thought Tubby Smith was getting year three, and they saw how much money they lost. It wasn't. It wasn't. And keep in mind, he had a tremendously high buyout for that school. They bit the bullet because they go, we can't keep hemorrhaging money. And I don't really feel like it's entirely Matt's fault. Where I think Matt deserves blame for for the atmosphere of the fan base was retaining Longo and retaining McGriff. Yeah, for sure. But he did... I would, I, I don't agree with it, but at the end of the day, like if my contention is I don't think you should have been a man of your word I'm not I'm not going to dig in and say I'm right or wrong like I I I completely understand that but the fan base is already skeptical and when you're skeptical it's so much easier to jump off the ship it's why I think the bigger game for them, one way or the other, win or lose, I think the bigger game on Ole Miss's schedule is Arkansas. I think I agree with you. Memphis kind of is, a, is kind of – I can't believe we're saying this. Memphis is kind of the free shot. I think if 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 one of the two games is a quote-unquote must-win, I do think it's Arkansas. I agree with you on that. I do too. I think that's the game that – because if they beat Arkansas – let's say they beat Memphis for kicks and giggles. All right. They beat Memphis. They turn around a week later and lose to Arkansas. Mm-hmm. All the momentum from a Memphis loss is gone. I agree. And no one's coming to a Southeastern Louisiana game. They just, they're done. Especially lose the home Memphis, opener. Yeah, if you lose to Memphis and then turn around and beat Arkansas, just the way people work, you're going to have a little momentum because you're going to beat Southeastern Louisiana. And that Cal game's still going to have some bigness to it. Sure. That's my point. I agree with you. All right, so... I read some hot takes in, in football land. As you know, mm-hmm. I've been a little distracted with my, things in my personal life here mm-hmm. the last couple of weeks. Nothing nothing traumatic, just just stuff. Um, a couple of hot takes, two or three hot takes. I'm going to throw them at you. You tell me whether uh, whether people are, are just doing the preseason overreaction or if you think there's something to it. All right. This is the year Georgia passes Alabama and takes over the SEC. I still think I still think it's an overreaction. And the biggest reason why I think it's an overreaction is I still think Kirby's kind of a dummy. And I have watched like for for instance, I can remember Nick Saban, I think, coached his way to the twenty thirteen loss against Auburn. The kick six. I'm not taking anything away from the the plays that Auburn made, but he coached that game that allow in a way that allowed Auburn to make those plays and win the game. That's really really the only game where I can remember like he's he's made decisions that I felt like that I felt like put his team in a bad spot. They might have gotten, you know, like with Clemson, they got they got beat and they were giving up big play after big play especially on third down. But he didn't I guess the fake field goal, but at that point, like they were so desperate and they were so already already, there were so much on their heels that I don't really, I kind of, I kind of throw it out. In every big game that Georgia has lost, with the exception being the Auburn game at Auburn when they turned around and then they beat them a couple weeks later in the title game, in every big loss they've had, he has made decisions that directly impact the outcome of the game. 
And I just think, I know, I know everyone points to the talent, the talent, the talent. I still think Alabama's talent's equal to theirs. I think Tua's a better quarterback than Fromm, and I think, I think Kirby's dumb. Ohio State no longer has Urban Meyer. The program falls off this year. Michigan gets past them. And even if the Buckeyes win, they're not good enough to beat Iowa in the Big Ten game. I'm I'm reading that. Yeah, yeah no, I, I know what you're saying. You're not. You're not. These are things that you're saying. I disagree with that. You know, I'm such an Iowa fan that. Yeah, totally. You yeah. and Dubuque. I mean, it, it's yeah. your kindred. Listen, you love your Iowa Cups. I'm not buying that. To me, all the talk about it's now or never for Michigan this year stems from the fact that Ohio State has uncertainty. And while they do have uncertainty, they still have plenty of talent. And I'm not saying that this is the I don't I'm not saying that I don't think at any point Ryan Day falls off. I'm not saying that, but I do not think this is the year. If Michigan doesn't win, Harbaugh doing all this stuff, he's talking about cheaters and whatever. It's, it's great for us. It's great talking points. You'll get to talk about it today on your radio show. Thank you, Jimbo. If if Harbaugh doesn't get it done this year without Urban Meyer, does Michigan start to think about moving on? Do I think they will or do, they, do I think they should? Both. Yeah, because Michigan's in that weird spot where the only game that really matters is that game. Do I think they should? No, because I still think, like, who are you going to get that's better? And I think what's rearing its head is that you're starting to see, even though the Michigan job is a good job, you're seeing the difference between a top 15 job and a top five job. It's really, really, really difficult. Yeah, we were having this conversation Thursday morning, as people hear this, on the Oxford Exxon podcast about the Alabama job. If you start saying, okay, what are the top five jobs in the country? You do not say Michigan. You might debate whether Georgia's in it. You might debate whether uh, LSU. Texas, yeah, Texas LSU. You might have some debates about some schools. I mean, you're going to say Alabama. You're going to say Ohio State. You're going to say Oklahoma. You're probably at this point going to say Clemson and then you might have some debates about number five but you're not even going to think about Michigan as a top five job no I mean Michigan to me is in that territory of 15 to 20 yeah I was gonna say like Michigan the Michigan job and the Auburn job are similar to me yeah, and I think the Auburn job's an overall better job. I think you got better access, and I agree. Yeah, better support. When people I say support, more. I mean... People care support. more. Yeah, just different deal. Um, not a hot take, but a little trending thing here, and you follow this pretty closely. Is Baylor good enough to win that side of the Big 12? Is Baylor, not that side, but is Baylor good enough to... Knock Texas out of the Big Twelve game. And no, they, I just uh, because if they are, does that guy become the hot commodity nationwide? So it's going to be him or Rule. And the difference between I'm sorry, it's going to be Rule or uh, 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 Matt Campbell. Sorry, I, I got my mats mixed up. That's okay. Um, I'm going to say no, and the reason why I'm going to say no is in the Power Five. How often do we see a team, unless it's a situation where the year before, like, for instance, when uh, 2012, Auburn collapses, as Auburn does when, when things go south, and then Gus comes in and they go, whatever, 12, 13, and 1. Like, take out those examples. How often do we see a team that was a 6 or 7 win team with the same coaching staff, how often do we see them go from a six or seven win team to a 10 or an 11 win team in one year? It's very rare. Like I, I would argue it's statistically highly unlikely. Like I, 
I just don't think you can improve that much from year to year without drastic change. And like a Cam Newton, you can take an eight-win team and go undefeated if you have a Cam Newton. Well, they don't have that. You know, you can you can have a team that fell apart and quit, and then have a new head coach that you know finds the perfect fit for him at quarterback, and and people don't know how to react to it, and, and you have an advantage, like with Auburn in 13. But I just, I don't think so. I think it's the same thing of, remember, uh, I don't know if it was 13 or thirteen or 14, when Tennessee under Butch Jones, like they were the sexy pick in the East. This is their time. You just don't go from eight wins to 11. Like it just doesn't happen. Like I it's too many standard deviations over of improvement when most of the when most of the key variables are the same. Last one at the college game, then we'll right. touch a couple of pro wins, then we'll let you go. Utah, is the Pac twelve bad enough for Utah to run the table and force its way into the playoff? The Pac twelve is bad enough for Utah to win. Because Utah's got the great schedule. They don't play Stanford, they don't play Oregon. The right. Pac-12 South is a mess. Yes. I do not I think I think with the Pac-12 the other aspect of it that that the common person that doesn't bet on it too much and should just quit but can't stop it because it's just too much fun. <laughs> you don't realize the travel in the Pac-12 and how far it is and flights are so long and, and the talent the talent dis, the talent disparity is not as wide in the Pac-12, like the, in the Pac-12, typically, with the exception of one or two teams, we usually see higher scoring games. And whenever you have higher scoring games, you have a higher variance of outcomes. So that's why games get nutty in the Pac-12, and you get these head scratching results. I just think the Pac-12 is not. I don't think Utah is good enough. If you told me Utah does exactly what Leach and Washington State did last year, where they are, you know, eleven and one and whatnot. Like I can buy that, but I can see where then they get to the Pac twelve title game and then they get beat by, you know, Oregon or Stanford. You know what I mean? Like pick your team out of the North Washington. I can buy that where they get beat again by Washington. But I do not think they're good enough even though their schedule's favorable, I do not think they're good enough to actually get to the playoff. We'll switch to a couple NFL topics before we let Jeffrey go. First, I want to tell you this podcast brought to you by LB's Meat Market. Uh, LB's is open Monday through Saturday from 10 to 6.30. It's open Sunday, 1 to 6. It's right across from Kroger at 2008 University Avenue in Oxford, 662-259-2999. If you're coming in for football games, got a condominium or you're, you got a place rented or whatever, man, LB's is a perfect place we to We went stop. there Saturday, and it was fan-freaking-tastic. What'd you get? We got as thanks to you. We started with a with a ribeye sausage, yep. and uh, if if you're curious, uh, Carly gave it two paws up. Yeah. Have you had the cheddar ribeye sausage? Yes. Uh, we, they didn't have one on Saturday. I have had it before. It's delightful. Yes. Um, it was so good that normally whenever whenever I go out of the kitchen in the condo to go to the grill. Carly, without fail, follows me. Even if there's cheese, even if there's anything, my dog will just follow me. The ribeye sausage was so good that she didn't even bat an eye when I went back out to the grill. Uh, and then we did uh, we did three ribeyes, and then we did the the aspar- bacon wrapped asparagus with the delicious seasoning. Oh, it's fantastic! It was a yeah, fantastic those, Saturday meal. Those French cut, dry aged. Oh my god. The ones that like the ones that like have the texture of a of a fillet, but the flavor of a ribeye. Unbelievable! They're so good. Uh, all sorts of fresh. Uh, he's got all sorts of steaks, like Jeffrey and I just talked about. You should try the picanha if you want to try some different cuts, some tri tip. Try some different things. He's got it all there. Ask Greg when you're in there. Hey, give me some tips on cooking this. He'll help you out. Uh, they got all the sausages. The, the ribeye sausage is absolutely fantastic. I love the chicken sausage, the chicken jalapeno. Mike's, 
be my favorite non-ribeye sausage. So it's there, the jalapeno poppers, the uh, asparagus, the stuffed mushrooms, if you like mushrooms. He's got uh, all sorts of chicken. Try some of those half chickens that have already been seasoned. Throw them on your grill. Throw them in your oven. You'll be glad you did. It makes an easy, uh, real easy night. Again, 662-259-2999. Make sure you tell Greg that you heard about LBs on the beer garden. You'll be glad you did because she's going to throw some things into your bag that uh, you'll try and you'll start adding to your uh, your grilling and cooking repertoire, and you'll be you'll be pleased that you did. We're also brought to you by Community Mortgage. It's located in Oxford, Memphis, DeSoto County, in Chattanooga. Thirty years old this year. One of the oldest mortgage companies in the southeast. All of the underwriting and the processing is done in Memphis, so you know you're getting local underwriting that understands your market. It's also the leader in condo financing in the Oxford market. So ask Jason Lowe about Community Mortgage's float down option. Allows you to lock in the current rate, but if rates go down. Before you close, you can get the lower rate. It's J-Lo, J-L-O-W-E, at communitymtg.com. And we're brought to you by Strategic Partners and Media. SPM is a full-service advertising agency. It works with businesses of all types, big or small, Fortune 500 companies to startups. SPM can help your advertising needs for TV, radio, print, and every facet of social and digital media. Look, here's why SPM is really good, different than other ad firms. They handle everything in-house. They don't sub their work out. The writing, the production, the editing is done solely by their staff, crafted uniquely for their clients. And lastly, an Ole Miss grad and a Mississippian's a partner in the firm. So give them a call. See just how great they are. It's Austin at strategicpartnersmedia.com. All right. Two or three NFL things, then we'll wrap. Uh, again, thanks so much for your time. Happy to do the it, man. The Cleveland Browns, a great story, an exciting team to follow, intriguing, lots of storylines, the whole deal. The Cleveland Browns, this is the hot take, are a Super Bowl contender. I know I'm the Baker guy, and I've been I've been on board since day one. I've been on board since before Oklahoma. When he had that SMU game, a Friday night, I, I remember exactly where we were. Uh, Dylan and I were eating at the bar at McEwen's, and we're watching the game. And I'm like, this guy's awesome. And I fell in love with him. Is it just me, or does this team not reek of, remember that, I think it was the 2008 Eagles. Remember when Vince Young called them the dream team? Yeah. I think they're good. I think their defense is criminally underrated. I think they're going to get after the passer. I think they got some guys in the secondary. They're really good players. I'm not convinced about them up front. I think Baker is already a top 10 quarterback. Man, I'm just with a. I know you. I know you. You've known Freddie for a while, but I am. I am so scared of a rookie head coach with that much ego and what. What happens if they get off to like that two and two start? And they have a rough schedule, kind of early. Well, and they're in the north, and you know you've got the Ravens that kind of are the Ravens play like the Grizzlies did, you know. In the grit and grind era, they kind of pitch backwards. The Steelers are still the Steelers. We're starting to see with Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, maybe the Steelers finally did get rid of some issues, if you will. Man, I, I think they, I think they have the talent to be a Super Bowl contender. I really, I do believe that. Like, I think they are good enough to be a Super Bowl contender. But if you made me bet on whether. Like if I think they're more likely to win six games or more likely to win the Super Bowl, I might actually lean to they're more likely to win six games. Flip side, the Los Angeles Rams win the NFC controversially, but they win it. They lose the Super Bowl. Bill Belichick has a, a coaching masterpiece, frankly. And a lot of people have started saying now, well, the Patriots exposed the Rams. They exposed how to beat them. This is your strength. You're good at this. Obviously, New England saw some things, figured some things out, and and frustrated the Rams. But not everyone can do that, right? I mean, this is still a very dangerous Rams team. They're still dangerous, but they're less dangerous if Gurley's not on the field. And what they exposed, what they exposed is that McVay... 
so much of their offense is predicated around play action deep shots. And Goff is a great deep ball thrower, like amazing deep ball thrower. However, they don't have the type of passing game when everyone says, well, he can't read the whole field. I don't know if I don't know if Goff can or can't read the whole field. I've never seen them I've never seen them run concepts that ask him to read the whole field. So I guess if you want to read into it, maybe that the argument would be is they don't believe he can read the whole field, so they don't have that. I I just don't know. I do think Gurley with this amount of it's not only arthritis, it's arthritis with other knee injuries and whatnot. I'm not saying that I'm selling them like they're going to like straight up miss the playoffs, but they go as Gurley goes, and unless unless they are going to implement a an addition to their playbook in which they're putting in they're putting in passing concepts and a passing game that makes you play more honestly, I think they got problems. Um, last one, the, the bears a year ago have this great defense, but it's a lot of turnovers that create lots of turnovers, more turnovers than probably they can count on. Mitch Trubisky was good, but in a playoff setting, he wasn't particularly good, at least for half of a game. He missed open throws. There's no question on that. Yeah. It's not even a hot take. I just want to get your opinion. Was that kind of the max that they can be, or do you think he grows from that, takes a step, and now they're a legitimate contender? You love quarterback play. My question is, Trubisky does a lot of things well. He's very charismatic. He Super uh, athletic. Super athletic. Throws a pretty decent deep ball. Uh, d- can get hot, but he misses open throws. He misses throws that you just simply have to make is that something that he can improve or is that who he is and does that ultimately limit them from being the the team that maybe their defense would allow them to be if they were a little better at that spot I do think accuracy accuracy with the football is like jump shooting I think you can improve at the margins but I don't think you can go from being I don't think you can go from being an inaccurate passer to like an accurate passer. Like for instance, I don't think you go from being a fifty-seven percent thrower. Like take out take out the the throws from five yards and in. Like take out the throws that inflate completion percentages. I don't think you go from being a fifty-five percent passer on other throws to being a sixty-five percent passer. Like I think you can improve at the margins. With that being said. I mean, I watched Joe Flacco go an entire playoff run without throwing an interception. I think Mitch Trubisky is every bit as good as Joe Flacco. They have a different skill set, but to to think that he got exposed that badly is why I love the NFL because the NFL is the ultimate overreaction sport. Like we just God, we overreact. But if you're if you're asking me, do I think that he can become? You know, forget Breeze, but let's say if like he can become like a Russell Wilson, because yeah. Russell Wilson misses you know easy throws at times, but he's a great deep ball thrower. It's a good analogy because Wilson's also pretty athletic, can move around, yeah. extend plays, that kind of thing. Yes. Uh, do I think he can become that? I'm more open to that idea. I mean, at the end of the day, some of the stuff that he missed was it's his first time. Like you know what yeah. I mean? Like first time in the moment and whatnot. And the encouraging thing for them is that in the second half of that game, he was pretty good. Well, like, look at it. Eli Manning's, Eli Manning's first playoff game against the Eagles, his first playoff game against the Eagles, he was good but not great. And then the next year, they they started off poorly. They were really banged up. Then they got everybody healthy, and they go on a hot run. And Eli didn't throw a pick until, I think, the Super Bowl, if I remember correctly. Like, in general, like if you take out Brady, most quarterbacks that are Super Bowl and I guess Foles to an extent, but Foles had some playoff experience before before his Super Bowl run, and that's kind of a that's kind of an outlier more than anything. Most of the guys like they kind of have to get their feet wet in the NFL, and particularly in the playoffs. Uh, 
And so I think people overreacted on Trubisky. With that being said, like I'm not I've never been sold like 100% on him. No, you never have. You've been very consistent about it. But I did not see anything in the playoffs last year in that one game that led me to believe this guy can never do it. It's the funny part about perception. If Parkey makes that field goal, yeah. The the storyline on Trubisky is Captain great comeback. second half. He got him. He got him there, and now they go to the Rams and get a free shot. Probably lose, and and people, no one's saying eh, he's, he's not good enough in the playoffs. It's the same thing if if they get the the call correct in the NFC title game, and the Saints go to the Super Bowl. No one's doing this thing about the Rams being exposed. People are saying, oh, the Rams are they're coming. Well, and more importantly, so like, like hey, does everything down the stretch. Golf, golf, golf's toughest, grittiest, like best game was the NFC title game, and golf oh, wouldn't have sure. to be dealing with the narrative that he's dealing with. Like he made huge throws and huge plays in the NFC title game. It all got overshadowed by the pass interference because that's all anybody talked about. But dude played his ass off. If Brandon Cooks catches the pass in the Super Bowl and the Rams go on to win the game, are we still like even if it was an ugly low scoring game, are we still doing the the golf narrative? It was a drop. It was a straight up drop. It was a perfect pass in his hands. He straight up dropped it. It's a good point. No, we're we're talking about can the Rams be a dynasty? Yeah. Like is this is this the new NFL? Like is is McVay did 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 Belichick pass the torch? It's amazing, and one one play we could. It's why I love the NFL. Everything's yeah. an overreaction. Everything. Every, every game, not it's every an game. Indictment. Every game's a referendum. Every game's an indictment. Every like, I love it. And so many of the games are so close that they truly do kind of hinge on a play here and a play there. You don't get that as often in the college game. No, because in the the talent disparity is so much greater in right. college. You get a betting line that hinges on a play, but For you sure. don't get a, the outcome of a game that hinges on a play. No. In the NFL, you get a lot of outcomes of games that hinge on a play. 100%. And That's why it's so hard to bet. Well, it's those, those buildings in Vegas, they, uh, there's not a lot of debt on them. Nope, there's not. Well, hey, man, thanks for the time. I know you got a lot to do. Uh, really appreciate you spending as much time as you did with us here on the Beer Garden. We'll be back next week. Let the record show that a Cub fan and a Cardinal fan, the two teams are separated by half a game, and we're both completely disinterested in it. We're talking football instead. Mm-hmm. Next week on the show, we'll, uh, we'll we'll get you ready for college football. It'll be week one. The NFL will be a week away, so we'll probably just stick with uh, what pays the bills, and that's football. Here on the Beer Garden, brought to you by the Oxford Crystal. Please support our sponsors. Jeffrey, thanks so much for the time. Happy doing, man. I'm Neil McCready. Talk to you next week. Take care.